the technology that's out there and the folks that aren't aware of it is astounding to me. To let them know mm-hmm. that IDS can show up with a drone operator and totally map your project down to like a millimeter, the entire exterior roof and parking lot of your facility in in less than four or five hours is amazing. This is From Paint to Purpose, a podcast by FCP Services, where we believe people drive growth. Exploring topics related to company culture, leadership, and construction industry insights. Now your host. Welcome everybody. Today we have Dave Bishop. I am Yahaira Vargas and this is From Paint to Purpose. Hi Dave, how are you? I'm very well. How are you Yahaira? I am very good. Um, I'm super excited about this um, podcast because, um, you know, you were at the um, hotel point and you told me uh, different kinds of stuff. And I just wanted to talk about that, too. (laughs) Great. But let's start with you first. Um, Can you tell us about your career journey? Sure. Uh, I'm a retired police officer, actually. This is my second career. And I've been in uh, facilities management for about 15 years. Started in retail, uh, segued into higher ed. Uh, moved from higher ed into K-12, and my latest venture has been in uh, hospitality, which has been quite a quite a roller coaster. Uh, the The past twenty months has been very interesting. So uh, we've learned, which I think my past has really prepped me to handle what we just went through the last twenty months. When you work in K-12, you you learn uh, that. Uh, bailing wire and duct tape go a long way and that's basically where we've been in hospitality for you know nearly two years uh, we're starting to see some stability re-enter the market so that's been good but I feel like I was prepped for it so uh, I think we fared we fared pretty well can you tell us more about those challenges that have been happening yeah and mostly with cash flow uh, I think when COVID uh, you know and it was Friday the 13th March the 13th of uh, 2020 was probably one of the worst days of my professional life. Uh, Went through that morning, which we kind of saw this coming. The writing was on the wall. We kind of understood what the market was doing. We started to see a lot of cancellations. Uh, Most of our hotels, again, with Atrium Hospitality, we have 84 hotels and resorts across the country. Uh, We started to see a lot of group cancellations. And I was in Murfreesboro, Tennessee that Monday, Tuesday, working with an energy uh, conservation contractor going through that hotel and another one we have in uh, Nashville. And I, I got a call to hop on a corporate call that morning and our guidance was off. And then another call to hop on another call at noon where our guidance was off again. By that evening, I, I got in my car and started driving back. <laughs> I said, okay, something's way off. So I got back and we started to see the market crumble. Uh, Come Friday, I handed out bonus checks to my whole team. Uh, We we still did uh, the paper bonus checks individually and and handed those out. And, you know, had a lot of folks talking about what they were going to go buy. And I went, "Eh, you might want to hold on to those. Don't know what the market's doing right now. Furloughed everyone on that team that afternoon. It was terrible. Absolutely terrible. Uh, a lot of those folks, you know, remain furloughed and have found other jobs, other careers now. I've been able to get a couple people back. Uh, but yeah, that was that was pretty bad. And that was the beginning of a very long slog of minimal staffing, asset protection, and just really kind of building this airplane as we flew it because it hadn't been through anything this severe before ever professionally. Uh, when it came to cash flow and how to preserve and protect our assets. Um, What has been some of the best um, decisions you made that worked and some that didn't when it came to furloughing people? Oh, well, you know, there were no good decisions when it came to furloughing other than reducing payroll to where we could survive. Uh, We were really at a point about a month in where we didn't know as an organization if we would survive this. Um, you know, luckily for us, we're privately owned. Uh, we have uh, an ownership group that really believes in what they're doing and saw some opportunity to continue to keep our business afloat 
and possibly grow and expand through this, you know, through, you know, trying to find the, the silver lining in this event was uh, bank owned properties and, and some third party management opportunities uh, that we set ourselves up for. Um, but th there really wasn't, there wasn't anything good that came out of this, you know, for about the first year. And then we started to see some business coming back and, you know, really focusing on customer service. Uh, we had an opportunity to do some, uh, some kind of internal soul searching and uh, understanding our policies and procedures and revamping some of the ways that we do business. And you know, one of the big things we were able to do is go through and evaluate we had a multitude of software programs that we were using, uh, everything from architectural and project management to invoice processing and uh, software for HR and things like that. So we really were able to go through and look at our, our capital planning process and streamline that uh, with our work order process. So now we can plan, which you know, one of the great things that came out of this is there's usually an annual budgeting process that takes place. And, you know, it's, it's an exercise that nobody likes in this industry uh, because there's never enough cash to do everything you want to do, but there becomes a hierarchy of needs. And we were able to uh, work with Transcendent, who's our partner in our work order process, and develop a long-range capital facilities planning uh, process and program that combined with our work order system. So now we plan year round. There's no more wish lists. There's no more, um, you know, every year going through this whole build a list program and, you know, take the projects that didn't get finished last year and do that. But uh, rolling this in actually gave us the ability to enroll all of our assets. So all of our any of our tagged or known assets in every property, which could be as small as a pump motor uh, in a kitchen to as large as a chiller, are all known and tagged now, and they, they auto-populate on a replacement plan. So there's no more going through and, and finding these things as surprises. They all uh, auto-populate over a uh, replacement cycle. Uh, which is great. So, you know, that's one of the good things that came out of this, you know, probably one of the best things. And we were able to do it with a small staff. So we're able to train up a smaller staff and get them uh, streamlined and used to it and understanding how the process works. So then they can go out and train their folks to do it as we start to scale up again for big business. Uh, so, yeah, that's really my silver lining uh, discussion <laughs> and really the best thing that came out of this. Uh, you know, the, the 12 hours, six, seven days a week working, you know, dealing with flooded buildings that people don't find for two or three days because there's only one person in the building. Not good. You know, that's yeah. all painful. So hopefully we're, we're past the worst of that. And, you know, we're, we're on the other side. We're starting to see our, our group uh, rebook. Uh, we're busy again uh, in a lot of markets. Uh, we're doing very well. So it's good to see that come back. So just finished our budget for 22, um, just rolled it out, got it to all the properties. Uh, so all of our, our folks are aware of what CapEx dollars they have to spend next year, which is great. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So I see that you um, were able to take a step back and just do process improvements and like, hey, what works yeah. and what doesn't? And, yep. and taking the opportunity to just do it, it was, just sounds really awesome. And I think a lot of companies are doing that. Um, yeah. Speaking of, you were talking about beliefs a little earlier in um, the question that I had asked you. What is um, Atrium's belief and their mission? And how do you relate to that? Yeah. You know, I, Atrium's biggest mission is service. Uh, service to the associates that work for Atrium, service to our customers, and understanding what their needs are, meeting, meeting and exceeding their expectations has really been a, a belief that, that's been drilled into all of the associates across the spectrum. Uh, you know, for my team and, and myself, understanding uh, asset protection is everything for us. Without that asset, we can't provide those services. We can't provide a good guest experience. We can't, we can't do a lot of those things that, that, you know, the end result is you had a good experience here uh, uh, either a, a convention took place or an expo took place or a meeting took place, or maybe you're just traveling with your family and you had a great experience at one of our properties, you know, for a weekend. 
Uh, that's really what we're we're striving for is to make sure that everybody enjoys their time, that we provide a great atmosphere uh, and a relaxing atmosphere for our guests. So I, I think that you know generally that that's really what at the end of the day that's what we want to do. So um, how do you motivate your employees? Uh, well, there's there's a lot of ways. One is is through consistency and having high expectations, and another is through a rewards program. So in in the hospitality industry, there there's a lot of celebrations, and and you know it's funny um, during COVID. You know, I actually had a discussion with a chief engineer that ended up leaving our our company because um, he was. You know, he was very hospital. He was very hospitality oriented, but he also, you know, when it came down to it, I thought it was his working conditions. Maybe he, you know, there was too much pressure. There was, you know, maybe the role was too big, and it all boiled down to he really, really missed the stand-ups and the celebrations and the get-togethers and the acknowledgement, which. At that time, it was, you know, whatever hands you had available, you, it, there was a lot of work involved. And there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, back slapping and telling everybody you're doing a great job. It was, this is what we need to do and we need to do it right now. And then we need to do this and then we need to do that. So there, there was a lot of reactionary management uh, happening. And this individual just was not familiar with that. Uh, you learn in crisis situations, which you know, I came from that world, uh, you learn the people that, that handle it well and the people that don't. And we lost, we lost a few fairly long-time employees over uh, you know, what I would consider you know, a lack of being able to handle crisis situations. Uh, it was just beyond their reach. And I, I get that. Not everybody's cut out for it. Uh, so you, you really find what people are made of uh, when you have to pull together with a small team and accomplish a big task. What qualities do you look for when you um, add someone to your team? Uh, I really look for not necessarily all the time looking for people that have an ingrained sense of this is how I do it. Uh, we have a large organization with a lot of knowledge base. So I look for people that are trainable and moldable and that want to grow. And I will take that person, whether, you know, whether, you know, and, and I, I don't want to say this out loud, but we will go within the hotel and find somebody maybe working in banquets that has a really good work ethic that shows up every day that, that really takes pride in what they do. And we'll pull them into engineering <laughs> and, and we okay. will teach them engineering from the ground up the way Atrium does it which is huge. And, and I like doing that. I love to watch people grow. I love to, to talk with people that come in as chief engineer and area chief engineer and say, you know what? I would love for you to take my job someday. Come on in, you know, do it. You know, we'll train you. We'll do everything we can, but you have to show that you have the metal to make that happen. It's, it's a huge commitment. Uh, so with the workforce, where it is, in you know 2021 moving into 2022 skilled tradespeople are rare uh, they're hard to find and it's it's that lot is getting smaller and smaller so with all the moving parts and pieces that a chief engineer deals with in our hotels everything from hvac to uh, you know, lighting, to sound systems. I mean, you uh, to roofing, building envelopes, you know, as you guys well know, um, you really have to have a person with a broad skill set. And if they don't have a broad skill set, you need to be able to expand that skill set some way or another. And we have a, we have a pretty good internal uh, program to help make that happen. And we hope to build on that. Now that we're gearing back up, we'll get our, our trainings back together. We'll get all of our learning materials dusted off and, and pushed back out. But that's, that's a big challenge is finding talent these days. Mm -hmm. So, you, you know, if you can't find the talent, you have to find a spark that, that really ignites uh, a person to go out and want to learn and want to grow and want to expand. Can you share more of that program that you're talking about? Uh, it's, it's really an introductory program of coming into the organization and it's a mentor mentee. Uh, we, we set that person up with a, with a seasoned chief engineer that, that understands 
how our hotels typically work. Systems are pretty consistent when you go to big box hotels uh, with comfort loops. You know, the number one item in hotels, you know, it's funny because it's one of the questions I always ask any person that's interviewing for a job is what's the most important aspect of this job? You know, and, it, and it's a trick question because nobody ever gets it right. But the answer to me is hot water. People can go with a lot of, they can go without a lot of things but I tell you what, if you don't have hot water, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. So, you know, keeping the hot water loop up and, and functional is is always a big thing. And, it, you know, it's just kind of one of those funny questions that you ask. But, you know, there's a lot of truth in that. And understanding how a hotel works and understanding your business, um, you know, we and I, I mentioned Transcendent a little earlier. That's our work order system. In that system, our morning afternoon and evening rounds and that is uh, getting that person away from whatever they're doing whether it's paperwork or whether it's you know dealing with employee issues or dealing with gms or whatever and getting them out to walk that hotel to understand to hear it to smell it to see it to understand how that building's operating it's it every building is like any other human uh any any living organism it has uh it has a frequency, it has a pulse, it has, uh, you know, just all of those familiar things that you get when you walk through, uh, whether it's a mechanical room or you're walking a roof or you're walking back of house, um, there's always a rhythm to how that building operates. And a good chief engineer that's in tune understands when that rhythm's off and start working the five whys to get to what, you know, what's different, what's changed and getting into that fix. So we make sure that uh, we get people to cover those areas in the hotels and understand those spaces that people might not have been in for a little while, that they're in those spaces regularly and understanding how that works. So that's a big part of our process is that system in particular. I, <laughs> and it's funny because when we give the uh, the transcendent speech, I tell them it's the Ron Popeil method. And typically you have to be of a certain age to even know who Ron Popeil was. But he was an inventor that was on television years ago. And he always came up with these Ronco items. And it was the, he had the chicken roaster. And his big pitch was you set it and forget it. And that's what we do at Transcendent. You know, we do all the loading up front. You set that program and you forget it. Now it's telling you, hey, here's what you need to do. So you really don't have to think about that or do a lot of that planning. It's been done for you. You just have to follow the program. And that really helps us tremendously. I've seen that a lot of um, reasons why people leave companies is because, you know, there's no growth. And with that mm -hmm. program, you know, it's a part of attracting um, new talent. What are other ways you guys think you can attract more talent to um, trades jobs or in trade industry, our construction industry? Yeah, I think that mining the, that particular group of people is one, locating folks that have an aptitude for it and, and have a desire and really have that need. Uh, like to, to attract problem solvers, because uh, that's typically what we do a lot of times. Uh, throughout our day is we're, we're solving problems. You know, you're taking clues, you're investigating them, you're applying solutions, and it's really the, the scientific method. You know, you propose that hypothesis, you go, you go test it, and then you see what works and you move on. I'm a big Six Sigma guy, so I'm a very process-oriented person when it comes to a, a, attacking our work. Uh, so we'll institute and implement Six Sigma processes and, and our folks won't even know that that's what it is. You know, it's, you know, from them, it's a, this is some new directive from corporate, right? Well, not really, you know, well, it is, but, you know, it, it's a process disguised as a solution and we'll implement that process. And you really have to go mine the folks that want to work in that way. Uh, we're not a good fit for everybody, just like any other organization. Uh, but when you have that talent, and you can tap into it and grow that person from, say, a small select serve hotel. Uh, try and I try to identify a lot of people during the interview process. You know, where do you want to go with your career? Uh, do you are you are you able to move? Because uh, we relocate people all the time for growth opportunity. And one thing that we've we solved a lot of our <laughs> a lot of our labor issues 
during this crisis with complexing hotels. So typically, you know, we have hotels in areas that are in clusters. We may have a large, you know, embassy suites that's on one corner of the street. And then across the street, we have a select serve Hilton Garden Inn or, you know, a, a Marriott uh, product that's a, an extended stay or whatever. And we started combining those roles where before they would have individual chief engineers and full-time employees. Uh, now we have one chief engineer that oversees a couple of supervisors at each property. And that's typically a seasoned chief that understands not only our processes and uh, under, understands how the buildings work, but he's able to grow those folks into chief engineers later on. And then that person will take, uh, hopefully, if their career path continues, they'll continue to grow and move into bigger markets and bigger hotels, and, you know, bigger salaries, bigger bonuses. All of that continues to feed into to one another. So we'll take entry level folks that don't have a lot of knowledge and we'll put them in these hotels and assess their ability to, to learn, adapt, grow, and move. And that, that's a big thing for us. Is that vetting process similar to when you need um, to partner with new subcontractors or contractors Absolutely. for your facilities? Absolutely. It is the same exact way. And, you know, it's, it's funny because I, I know that at some point we'll talk about <laughs> FCP and IDS. <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, in hotel point, you've already mentioned, uh, and you know, I, I had not met anybody, uh, from FCP. I didn't have any meetings with FCP, but I met James Lacusa on a bus when the event was over and we were going back to the airport to, to, you know, to fly to our respective, uh, humble abodes. And, and it's funny because by the end of that event, and I don't know if anyone's ever explained hotel point to you and what happens there. But as, as a hotel exec, we're in, we're in, I don't know, 35 meetings, you know, over a, over a two to three day span, we're in boardrooms back to back to back all day long. And then in the evenings or in the afternoons, we're in one-to-ones with, with, uh, with, uh, vendors that request to meet with us, or we request to meet with them. And, you know, with a hundred, uh, suppliers or vendors uh, on the, on the tap, you don't get to meet with everybody. You know, you kind of find, I go in there with very specific goals. I need people to do this, this, and this. And at the time didn't really didn't need coatings, you know, really didn't need envelope. I had that and hadn't, hadn't set up a meeting with anybody. And I met James on the bus on the way back to the airport. We had a brief conversation and that has grown into a fantastic relationship. Uh, you know, we have a, a beautiful hotel. I'm, I'm actually based in Springfield, Missouri. And right down the street, we have Branson, you know, which is the country music capital of the world. You know, entertainment of people that you thought may have passed away 20 years ago. Now they're down in Branson. They're at a theater and they're doing great shows. And uh, we, have a, we have a very large property down there called Chateau on the Lake. And FCP... Uh, came in with a fantastic plan on how to attack our mansard roof and not only sand it and and prep it, but coat it with two coats of paint. We're using every lift system known to man. So there's there's uh, rigging, there's, uh, there's uh, cranes involved, there's climbing, there's ladders, there's everything that you could possibly imagine uh, FCP is doing down there. And, and it's, it's, it's been a great experience. It's been a, it's been a great show to watch. Uh, first of all, we had a lot of contractors go look at that in the past and you know, it's a, it's a large roof. It's a big project and there's not a flat spot on the property anywhere. So it's built in hills, you know, it's in the, it's in the hills on the, on the, uh, banks of a, of a large lake. So it was, uh, it, it's, it's been, uh, it's been, nice to watch this process play out. And I think everybody's going to be super happy with the, with the finished result. And, uh, in IDS, you know, of course, learned about those guys through FCP and, uh, <laughs> you know, ended up doing a lot of our surveys and, uh, some ADA surveys, some rooms, uh, before and after, you know, when we, when we renovate. So it's been uh, a serendipitous relationship on that bus ride. I really, really appreciate that bus ride. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so do I. Anytime you meet a new vendor by by happenstance like that, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you see that stands out when you're like, I want to work for that company? Like, Yeah. 
you know, a lot of it's intuition. I've worked with a lot of companies, been doing this for a long time. Uh, and you just get a sense of when, you know, someone's a business development manager versus they're ingrained in the system. There's, there's a, de a different conversation you have with those two people. And you get somebody that knows their business. And when you talk to them about challenges, they offer a true solution, not, well, let me get you in touch with, you know, my guy that does this, mm, you know, it's, I can go find that person, you know, that that's a different conversation. Uh, so I think that I've, I've watched and, and we talked, you know, we, we kind of started this off with how do I develop that relationship? And in a lot of ways, it's the same way that we hire employees, the same way that we onboard vendors and partner with vendors is understanding, okay, I get that you can do this and that you have a team of people that do X. Let's start off with this small job over here and let's make sure that you guys work well with us, that we work with you, uh, that you uh, that, that our processes aren't too strenuous or you know your labor force is accurate when we talked about it. And, and we start off with a small job. Didn't necessarily do that with FCP. We threw a we, we threw a pretty big job at them right off the bat to kind of test the metal, and they rose to the occasion and been very happy with that. But uh, you know, different contractors in general will start small and make sure that we're a good fit for one another, and then we'll we'll do a bigger job, and then we'll do a bigger job, and then we'll start doing multiple jobs. Uh, and that's typically how I do it. And I don't put all my eggs in one basket, you know, and, and I learned early on uh, getting burned doing that. So you know, we make sure that folks can can meet the need and uh, and we kind of grow from there. Do you think that intuition um, when choosing the correct contractor comes from your previous background in law enforcement? Uh, I think a lot of that intuition does. You know, I apply those same strategies to vendors and contractors and just everyday people that I meet. Um, I think it's that antenna that's always there. It's always been there. It's just been part of my personality. Uh, and I, I'm a people person. My wife and I were having this conversation the other day that, you know, she does a lot of those personality tests. She has a pretty big team herself that, that she works with. And they do a lot of those personality exams. And she says, you know, I always come out on my... Well, my personality exams is being extroverted, but compared to my extroversion, <laughs> it's not even close. <laughs> she said that I'm a big enough extrovert for both of us. And, and, uh, and I agree with that. Uh, I feed off the energy of people. And these last 20 months in hospitality has been really tough because uh, a lot of that energy that I feed off of hasn't been there. You know, I, I've been working from home. I'm doing Zoom calls and WebEx and go to meeting and yeah, and Teams and all those. And I, I I truly truly miss my team and that energy that I feed off of uh, with that group of people. So how do you stay connected with your team? It, just like this, you know, we're on okay. we're on Teams calls. Uh, we text a lot. Yeah, it's but it's just not the same. I don't go to an office every day. I don't have an office full of people. And, you know, I don't know if that concept will ever come back. So I've had to find other ways to really build that momentum and build that synergy. And a lot of it is through instant messaging, which, you know, I've never been that person. So you just got back from Hotel Point, uh, you know, not long ago. And, and that was a good energy builder. It's like, ah, okay, got to get out, got to see people. And that that kind of say that kind of got the fire lit in me. My my wife's thirtieth year reunion was a couple of weeks ago, so we went to Florida. We left there, went straight to Las Vegas alone for for a week, and and just had a great time. So we we got out, we mingled, we danced, we gambled, we did it all. Uh, went to a lot of shows, a lot of museums, and that's really where uh, you know I draw a lot of my energy from is is being out with people. And it, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of depressing when you don't do that. Uh, so, yeah, it, I, I feed off any way I can get it. There you go. So mm -hmm. Hotel Point, um, you were saying that you had a great time. Did yes. you also play golf? I did not. I raced go-karts. Okay. How did yeah, that go? It went well. It was a blast. <laughs> we had an absolute blast. Yeah, I live in an area where, you know, I'm right down the street from some of the best golf courses in the country. And Johnny Morris with Bass Pro has really done a nice job in Branson with, with golfing in that community. 
I'm more of a tennis player. You know, I've always okay. played, I've played, played tennis since I was six years old. So I have golf clubs and I play, but if you give me the opportunity, I will grab my tennis bag every time and go play tennis. Nice. Yeah. I, I just started learning um, to play golf because I was watching a show and they, um, they made a really go good point about um, a lot of um, business is done on the golf course and I was it like is. okay I need to be in <laughs> I gotta yeah. be in that yeah. area too so yeah, yeah. Um, any tips or tricks on that uh, I can you know golf is one of those things where <laughs> just when you think you're getting good it will humble you uh, but it's, <laughs> it's always that one good shot that you had that keeps you coming back and yeah. and really, if you're in it for the camaraderie and and you know a lot of business does get uh, does get taken care of on the golf course. Um, I'm I'm also you know a board member. I sit on a couple of boards. I'm the president of a school board right now, and and there's a lot of similarities to that. All of your business gets done before the game, and so before you have a business meeting. I liken that to all of the prep with the committee work that gets done in board work. So, you know, you're on the golf course and you're having a good time and maybe you drink a couple of beers and maybe you have, you know, some sun and some beautiful surroundings, but you also get a lot of that pre-work done before you get to that final meeting. So our board meetings and those committee meetings, very similar, no beer involved in the committee meetings. <laughs> so um i want to switch gears a little and i want to talk about some of the projects you're working on um what do you have um coming up for the rest of the remaining of the year this year we're finishing up pips which are uh property improvement plans that are handed out by the brands so we're about 50 50 with our with our brands we have a lot of marriott product we have a lot of hilton product and we have some ihg and some independence so you know we're heavily loaded half and half with marriott and hilton uh, so every seven years you have a property improvement plan that's required in order to maintain your flag uh, your hilton flag your marriott flag your ihg flag and a lot of those projects were started in you know either 2019 or 2020 that were put on hold uh, with the, with the economy and such where we were the last year we've now restarted those projects that were in play which was painful you know you you stop in our in our business if we go gut an atrium or we start tearing rooms apart and then all of a sudden the economy tanked and we pushed pause going back and understanding where were we with this project you know where was it where where's our materials stored you know where, where's our warehouse for this one who's managing that where you know who was the contractor on that we had a lot in the hopper we we were doing 175 million dollars a year in pips so to have that kind of uh momentum going and then just all of a sudden stop uh there was you know one my my boss and i were it so we had to go through and figure out where where's our warehousing you know where was this project when it was stopped where did all the material go for this project you know fcp was a casualty of that on on chateau you know where were we at when we stopped that how do we get these folks paid out for the work they did and, and then we had product that expires because we don't know when we're going to restart it. So there were a lot of those variables at play in understanding how to approach that, how to contain it, and how to make it viable to restart. So we've restarted all of those projects now uh, that were required, and we're finishing those through 21. And 22 on deck, we have, uh, we have some pips that are on deck. And like, uh, you know, some of our Hilton products, and you know, we're the largest embassy suites holder in the country. So there's a lot of those that go through um, cycles of, of construction and improvement and remodel. And it may be rooms, it may be uh, public space, it may be just a refresh on the outside, the exterior. So we're going through all of those uh, for 22 and getting those on deck. Uh, but just really finishing our committed projects uh, that were started in either 19 or 20 for 21. So we're trying to wrap those up now. What's been your favorite project so far? Whew. 
you know, I don't, I don't know that I've had a favorite project <laughs> lately, but one of my favorite projects in the last few years was uh, we have a large embassy at uh, Dallas-Fort Worth, and uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful, beautiful hotel. And we did the, uh, the envelope on that hotel, and it just really turned out well. It was a great job. It went very smooth. And I can sit on the runway at DFW, which I do regularly, and see that hotel off in the distance, and it's just beautiful. You know, so that project went well. It went without a hitch, and the, the final product really tied it all together. So in, in the last few years, that was one of my favorites, you know. Notwithstanding, when Chateau is done, you know, when FCP, when, when FCP services is done with that roof at Chateau, I won't have to put up with any of my friends that are in their boat on that lake taking pictures of it and sending it to me again going what's going on with this roof <laughs> so that that's going to be that's going to be a big completion a big project and a big feather in the cap oh well i'm glad we are real uh, part of it <laughs> absolutely <laughs> um let's see what advice or can you give someone that wants to start a career like yours Oh, you know, I, I moved into this by, by chance, really. My dad was a contractor and he always told me <laughs> to stay out of it, <laughs> stay away <laughs> from it. You're just going to end up chasing money your whole life. But he, he, you know, his advice was if you're, if you're going to be in that business, be on the owner's side. You know, those, mm -hmm. those folks seem to be happier and, and have better hours, <laughs> you know, okay. So, you know, as I started off in this world, I, I kind of, uh, I, I've always had a, an aptitude for managing people and I'm a great, uh, uh, I'm a great collaborator. I love to create competition. Oh, my strengths finder, my number one strength has always been competition. So within my groups, I've always created some kind of competition, whether that's fun, whether that's, uh, you know, a career competition without them even know they're, knowing they're playing the game. Um, I, I love to, to kind of spin that up a little bit and get people interested, get them engaged, get them uh, very interested in, in how to accomplish goals and do it effectively and efficiently. And, you know, and, and to grow other people while they're doing it. So I challenge all of our chief engineers to make sure that they're growing their replacement. You know, I can't, I can't grow you out of that position if I have to then go find somebody to replace you. You know, always have that person ready and be ready for that next opportunity. And that's what I've done my whole life is I've always prepared myself to be ready for that opportunity that comes along. So I'm, I'm ready to take it. And I expect that out of out of the folks that I work with. What is something that the general population doesn't know about a career like yours or the industry overall? Uh, I, I think the general population and it's probably I have a lot of neighbors, you know, that probably wonder how I have such nice stuff. You know, this guy stays home all day. I see him go out and check the mail. I see him and his wife run in the evenings. And, you know, what does he do for a living? So there, there's probably a lot of mystery around that. Um, it's a very rewarding career uh, in this business that we're in. Uh, it, it pays well. Uh, it has a lot of loyalty. And if you understand how to work it, uh, you can live a fairly good lifestyle, you know, and still have uh, a really good team around you and be able to, to have some real satisfaction with your career. Uh, I feel fortunate uh, to be in this world and, you know, and, and I'll probably continue to stay in it for, for a good another 10 or 15 years, you know, just because. I, I, I didn't know, you know, I had no idea that, that these roles uh, existed in hospitality. Yeah, I knew somebody had to be doing this work, but didn't really understand it. So I was recruited. Uh, I came to Missouri, which I ended up in Missouri. I moved from South Florida uh, for Springfield Public Schools, which is the largest school district in the state. And I came aboard as their facilities director back in 2006. And then Hammonds Hotels and Resorts recruited me from there in 2016. So I had done 10 years 
and I was pretty comfortable. You know, I had built my team. I had everything running like clockwork. You know, it was predictable. You know, I had a, I had a pretty good gig. I had a lot of leave time, a lot of vacation time. So we traveled, you know, we went to Europe. We did a lot of stuff. And then Hammond's Hotels came over and recruited me. And I had no idea this world existed. And I thought, wow, okay, this, the budgets are better. <laughs> you know, I actually get to do some execution and, and get to do some, uh, some implementation. So it was, it was kind of new. I got too comfortable uh, in that world. And I came over, implemented a new work order system, implemented policies and procedures, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, different process that, that came from that world that leaned out the way that we do business. And, and then the, the wheels fell off. <laughs> you know, So I went right back to that old method and said, okay, this is tried and true. I know how to do this and get through it temporarily. So we're starting to gear back up to, uh, to move into a, uh, a bigger spend and and a bigger a, a much bigger show when it comes to operating. I I've always likened my job. You know, you if you've ever been to the circus, you, okay. If you're sitting on the sidelines at the circus, the inevitable guy or gal comes out and they spin a plate and then they get another plate and then they get another plate and before you know it, they have fifty plates spinning and every once in a while you have to go wiggle that one plate. That's what I do for a living. When somebody asks me, you know, what, what is it you do exactly? I said I spin a lot of plates, and uh, and that's there's a lot of truth to that. So I, you know, some plates need some attention at the moment and you focus on those and. You know, you just got to keep them spinning. And that's really the world that, that I live in. And I, you know, I really I enjoy every minute of it. The, the odds of me being shot doing what I'm doing right now are pretty slim. That's okay. Well, I, I'll turn the tables. How did you get into this business? I started as an assistant assistant at Tesla. And Ooh, then I became, um, I liked working with people, you know, it was really rewarding just hiring mm -hmm. people and then being super thankful um, about getting a job when they were struggling. And then mm -hmm. um, just the training part, I started um, helping the safety manager with training. And then I just um, really liked um, paying that forward. Um, I was an older, um, I was, the, I'm the oldest from all my siblings. So just, um, just, I guess it was that just teaching people and mm -hmm. hey, this is what I learned. You can learn it. It too and it'll help you with this and that and um just um working my way up and um now just doing training and development and helping um someone say hey i need help with trade um time management or i need help with right now i'm working on uh with two team members that are they want to learn spanish so just building that and being able to help someone grow uh, is nice. what got me into it and uh -huh. now i'm at fcp working with um, getting the opportunity to work with two mentors. And I was like, I'm not going to pass that up. You know, it's rare yeah. to work, to find one mentor. Now two, it was, it was just, um, I couldn't say no to it. That's fantastic. You know, I, I grew up in with, I had four kids in my family and I'm the youngest. Uh -huh. So my oldest sister, I would call that bossy where, <laughs> you know, now I would consider that, you know, being a good coach, you know, understanding, mm -hmm. hey, I've been through this and I'm going to coach you. It's just like having kids, you know, my wife and I, we, we, we raise daughters and um, understanding how that, that world works and uh, understanding that kids need those boundaries and you got to coach them around. And one of her big sayings is, you know, our kids can't see around corners. So mm -hmm. we, we're here to help them you know, understand that. And it, it's kind of, it's the same way of being a supervisor or being a leader or being a boss or being whatever, you know, in this role right now is understanding how to coach people is huge. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people that handle it very poorly. Um, yeah. and, and I think that the industry is, has, has done a bad job of, of growing leaders, uh, in a lot of respects. Uh, but, you know, I think that there are some people that get it and they can change that dynamic. And just by being uh, good humans, I, I think yeah. it, it really comes into play. And if you have experience growing up, coaching younger siblings makes yep. a huge difference. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it has helped me. Yeah. And um, like the communication part, like I hadn't realized how important it was. But just mm. telling um, someone why we're doing this has taken like it 
from one level to the next like exponentially yes. Yes. so i i try to you know um tell them that too like hey this is why we're doing mm -hmm. this it's not because we just want to give you more work there's a reason why and you know we we have an agenda for you and for your growth so absolutely yeah. <laughs> the why is huge and i i do a whole speech on the why you know and and a lot of people don't understand the why because the why might come down from ownership who mm -hmm. has you know a whole different reason and and don't understand what's going on in the weeds but the desired outcome is X. So here's the why, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think that that's big, you know, to go in and explain that and have people understand. So you're all rowing in the same direction. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you stay informed of new industry trends? You know, I only do, you know, when it comes to trades, I, I communicate a lot with my peers. So my peer group in this industry and I are, are we probably text back and forth uh, more than, than I ever did in any other organization other than being a cop because you need to coordinate efforts, <laughs> you know, with, with, uh, with your coworkers, you know, because the, the, the desired outcome is to, to live uh, and, and to close that out and get your report written and move on, right? Uh, it, other things can happen if you're not coordinated and you're not uh, uh, proactive in, in handling a situation like that. So in every industry I've been in, I really haven't had a lot of peers to discuss what the industry trends are. Who are you using for this? How's your results been here? Do you have a source for employees in this area? Uh, you know, things like that, that you collaborate with, uh, with a peer group. And I probably haven't done that nearly as much in any other industry as I have in hospitality. Uh, people are more open in this world. Um, if you're in the market with somebody that you, you know, you share a hotel with, you can understand, uh, one, uh, service providers, you know, who's, who's good, who knows this equipment, who understands this building, uh, all the way to engineering firms, you know, which engineer have you used for this, that, or the other, and what's your experience been? And, you know, I'm using these folks now, they're fantastic. So if you need a source for this, we share a lot of that information and that really hasn't happened in the past. So, mm -hmm. uh, for staying informed, I, I do a lot of that and I go to a couple of trade shows every year, one being Hotel Point. That is one that I go to every okay, year. Mm -hmm. And and the other is Ashray. I'll go to Ashray every other year and understand uh, mechanical trends when it comes to air conditioning and heating and you know what's on the what's on deck, uh, you know, what's control systems and backwards engineering and, and what's still viable and what's not viable and, and things like that. So I can plan for the future. Nice. Um, I know one of them is LinkedIn. Is there any other um, pages that um, you, we can connect with? You know, I, I am engaged with LinkedIn fairly regularly. Uh, I have a lot of contacts there and uh, you know, I, I, I don't get a lot of my industry I guess, know-how technical knowledge there, but I get a lot of industry connections, you know, people, people that do, people that do X. And that's, that's really where I mine LinkedIn and I'll, I'll advertise for employees. Uh, I'll recruit through LinkedIn, through direct messaging. A lot of times I'll find people that I think would be a good fit for us. Where do you see you guys going in, in the next, you know, six to 12 months? What is your plan? Oh, um, we are working on right now. We're working on the budgets for next year. This, mm -hmm. um, you know, how we're going to um, create all the groups and our, all of our crews and, you know, uh, recruiting has been super hard. So we just have to um, reevaluate our recruiting efforts and how we're going to do that. Um, as far as projects, you know, just making sure we we're um, pleasing our clients and making sure they have everything um, we need as far as a specific project. I don't have the details yet. Sure. We haven't had our meeting, but it is coming up this week. I gotcha. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of, uh, a lot of the, you know, spreading the gospel or, you know, sharing, sharing what you guys do with people has been huge. Uh, you know, when, when you have as many properties as we have and you have an ADA survey, for instance, that needs to take place on parking lots, or if you have a building survey that needs to take place on envelopes, the technology that's out there and the folks that aren't aware of it is astounding to me. To let them know that IDS can show up with a drone operator and totally map 
your project down to like a millimeter, the entire exterior roof and parking lot of your facility in, in less than four or five hours is amazing. And, you know, there's a lot of people that just don't know this. They, you know, and they go, what? You know, I, I called, you know, somebody to come out and assess my envelope, my envelope. And, you know, they came out with a pair of binoculars and a sketch pad and you go, okay, you know, welcome to 1995. You know, it's, you gotta, you gotta move that forward a little bit. So, you know, understanding that when I used to price envelope, we have a lot of hotels that have EFIS, okay? I'll go on record saying that people should be jailed <laughs> that started designing EFIS and split face block construction for anything. Those are some, some, of the, some of the most challenging materials to work with in our world. But I, it used to be a wild card. So I would have a building assessed and it would be, okay, we're going to allow for 2,000 feet of crack seal. We're going to allow for 4,000 feet of moldings for windows and whatever. You do an IDS survey, you know exactly what you need on that building. And you get a unit cost for additional and put an allowance in there, but it's, it's pretty dead on. So my project pricing goes from blurry to totally focused and real. And it, that made a huge difference in our world. Uh, doing 360 surveys, doing uh, you know scanning of buildings that that don't have as-built drawings, huge, huge. So you know I appreciate the business you guys are in, and every opportunity I get, I market it because it not only helps me as as a professional in the industry that I've chosen to work in, but it helps other people that might not know about it, and it, it gives them a, a shortcut to. Uh, getting to the place where they they can understand their buildings and get better pricing and know what their capital spend is going to be. What is some new technology that you've seen um, come across in the construction industry? I know um, it feels a little slow because a lot of the work is manual. Yeah. But like what what have you seen that comes across like IDS, for example? Yeah, it's drone technology, I think, is is probably the latest and greatest um, and and the biggest leap in, in technological innovation. Uh, infrared drones, you know, having the, the understanding and, and the ability to see where you're taking in moisture in a building and, and seeing that um, has really been a, a big leap forward for us and it's been very helpful. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to thank you for being <laughs> yeah. a part of this podcast. I really enjoyed our conversation and I did learn a lot. I am actually interested, part of it is in um, mm -hmm creating um assets through buildings or um shopping mm -hmm. centers and this definitely mm -hmm. helps and i want to see if i could further connect with you if i have any other questions absolutely yes use me as a resource i will point you in any direction that that i feel can help you um and uh, you know i'm always big on that i want to i'll help anybody grow in, in anything that they want to do if i'm able so by all means it's been my pleasure and i look forward to seeing you at hotel point maybe you too Thanks. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening. To learn more, visit fcpservices.com. Until next time, remember, people drive growth.